With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the Stretch and Flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Next, we have a special with James Pierce. Um, Stephen managed to grab 20, 25, 26 minutes with him uh, before the pod, where he could discuss all the questions that you sent in and obviously the transfers and transfer dealings of Liverpool in the pre season window so far. So, uh, tune in your ears. Hey. Um, okay, listen, James, thanks a million for uh, coming back on to have a chat with us. Um, we really appreciate it. No worries, thanks for having me. No, always, always. Um, I suppose, listen, first thing we'll get out of the way. It's the thing that, you know, everybody's sick of listening to and at the same time, everybody wants to know about. Um, it's the old Virgil van Dijk and Kieta situations. Um, and listen, everybody has their own idea on where things are at. Where, you know, he's going to hand in a transfer request. This is van Dijk. Um, or, you know, Kieta wants out or he doesn't want it. You know, it's there's so much stuff going around Twitter at the moment. It's a minefield. You're nearly better off ignoring it. But as someone that, we here at the day trippers, and I'm not just saying it because you're on tonight. You know, I regularly say it. You're you're one of the only people I would actually take a steer from in terms of where we're at because you tend to have a good feeling on you know what's going on within the club. Where do you see things at at the moment? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think just very frustrating in, on on both of those fronts. Really, I think I don't think you know nothing's really changed. Um, in the in the last few weeks, I think um, you know, I think I think when the Mohamed Salah deal got done, I think you know, it was it, it was pretty clear then that that was kind of the first of of three kind of key areas that that Klopp had, had kind of really pinpointed. Um, you know, and the other two clearly being you know a, a centre half and a centre midfielder. 
Um, and I think I think it, the, there was a sense then, speaking to people at the club, that you know, Salah was always going to be the easiest one of the three to get done because um, you know Roma were, were willing sellers, and yeah, it took a few weeks to to haggle and, and get the get the deal done. But um, it was certainly a lot more straightforward than than Van Dijk or, or Keiter. And yeah, I mean, I think I don't think either, either of those has, has has really moved along. I think you know it's been well documented that you know both both those players you know want to, to be at Anfield. I don't think that's in any doubt whatsoever. I think you know Keiter articulated that to Leipzig when he was back there last week. Um, you know Van Dijk, as as we all know, has articulated that. Um, you know, a few weeks b- b- beforehand, similarly that, that he was very keen to to link up with Liverpool. But both of those clubs, Southampton and RB Leipzig, uh, are adamant that those players aren't for sale. And um, you know, I, I know obviously there's a lot of talk around you know, Liverpool haven't put bids in and all the rest of it. But it it doesn't work like that because you know you you don't you don't put bids in unless you've 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 had some kind of encouragement. A player is actually for sale, and um, you know the, the the reality is at the moment that neither of those players are. Um, and yeah, I think you know, as, as you said, it's probably you know the ball is in the players' courts in, in many ways. You know how how you know there are you know is Van Dijk and is Keiter really prepared to, to to force the issue? You know, put in a transfer request. You know that that might be what it takes to to. Um, you know, to, to, for, you know, for Liverpool to have a realistic chance of getting them in this window. Okay, yeah, and, and I, I think some people maybe think that it's like Football Manager, where you just keep on going back every week with a two <laughs> two million pound increase until they finally say yes. You know, as you say, there you you open negotiations by I would assume um, seeing is there some form of interest from from the selling party to enter into any form of negotiation, and then it becomes the point of finding the middle ground where both people are willing to to match um, what what they're. Are. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I think I think and, and probably where they're a bit different with Van Dyke and Kaiser is that you know the, it's it's a much more sensitive issue with Southampton. I think you know it's it's no no secret that Southampton were you know were, were fuming at, at, at the way that you know the Van Dyke thing played out in the public domain. I think um, you know, that Liverpool have got to be very very careful on that front. You know, they they were they were told by Southampton. Absolutely not a chance. We we would we would sell him, and you know, not only not only are we not prepared to sell him, we're certainly not prepared to sell him to Liverpool. That was what Liverpool were told. Um, you know, I've had that confirmed at both ends, but you know, people at Liverpool and Southampton that you know that they're absolutely sick to death of of Liverpool coming in and and you know and buying their top talent, which has happened in the last uh, what three summers. And um, so I think I think with Van Dijk, it's Liverpool know that there's not an awful lot they can do on that front until until Southampton's position changes. I think if if they reach a point in Southampton where you know they they don't want to, they realise that they they're in danger of keeping an unhappy player who might not um, be anywhere near the player that they had in their hands last season because um, he, he his heart's no longer in it. Then I think there's a possibility then that they would they would listen to offers and Liverpool would hope that. If they're listening to offers, then um, you know Liverpool's money would be as good as anyone else's. But um, you know, I, I, that's I, I still I still think probably out of the two, that 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 Kaiser is 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 marginally the more likely. But um, 
both of them are, are, are just far from straightforward. And, you know, I think, I think the interesting thing, and I, and I honestly genuinely don't know the answer to the question, is how long do Liverpool leave it? How long do they, do they sit and wait and hope that um, the situation changes with Van Dijk and Keita? And, and at what stage do they go? Do you know what? You know, we, we've, we've got to go after a plan B. Yeah, and, and actually that's a perfect segue because my next question to you was, you know, that's a worry that a lot of fans out there have. Do we spend, Do we, you know, we had a season whereby the end of 13-14, the summer of 14, we lose Luis Suarez um, and we were all eggs in the basket for, for Alexis Sanchez. The player decides he doesn't want to come to us and chooses Arsenal over us. And all of a sudden, our plan B is a deadline day move for Mario Balotelli after we've signed Ricky Lambert because we didn't have anything else lined up by the looks of things or nothing else transpired. The players that we went after, the clubs didn't want to sell them, whatever happened. So I think that's a real fear that a lot of people have that, you know, we've yet again built up this head of steam, this momentum last season under Jurgen Klopp. This was seen as a, as a summer when really the club scrimped last summer. And and lots of people thinking, including a lot of us at the day trippers, feel that maybe the it was a it was a sort of calculated risk that they took in not spending big money last year and and nothing in the January window in order to secure top four and then go out and really make a mark in the in the market this summer. And what we're kind of wondering and hoping maybe you you have a little bit of insight is, do you think the club have some top quality backups lined up, and are they maybe already in discussions with those? in the hope that, you know, they have a fallback fairly quickly if these top deals don't happen? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. I, I genuinely, um, I, I, haven't, I haven't heard names mentioned in terms of a plan B. Um, you know, I know centre-back-wise, you know, Kula Bali was one that was, that was certainly scouted reasonably heavily last season. But, um, you, know, I, you know, again, I don't think that would be a particularly easy deal to try and get done either um, I, th- I think in midfield I think I think Keiter is almost looked upon as you know he, he was like you know by far and away the one that the Klopp wanted you, you believe that would come in and enhance his starting 11 that mm. it, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if there wasn't you know a plan B to Keiter because it was you know he was looked upon as this you know I think you know, Klopp no doubt views him as this kind of like complete midfielder who you know, is 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 such a kind of rare breed that you'd you'd struggle to to find another kite kind of thing. Um, but it, it's probably the centre back that worries me more because you know I think I, I think you know I, someone said to me that that Klopp was was very much after a centre half who's who's kind of you know he he want he needs someone who's kind of a higher level than Lovren um, and that you know that would be someone. Because you know, I think I think the idea would have been obviously that Van Dijk and, and Matip would be the first choice partnership. Mm. Um, and you know, I know Lovren divides opinion, and some people will say you know it shouldn't be that difficult to find someone who's who's better than him. But you know, clearly Klopp rates Lovren highly; otherwise, he wouldn't have given him that new hundred thousand pound a week contract. But you know, I think I think what worries me with the centre back thing is you know I, I would say well even if even if they you know they they can't he he can't get. He can't get Van Dyke, and he doesn't feel as if he can get someone who's better than Lovren. I'd, I'd say, well, you actually you need to look at it differently and say you can certainly get someone who's better than Clavan because yeah. you know, I, I would be very uneasy about going into the new season with with Clavan as the 
the third choice centre half. Yeah, um, absolutely, and and that's one of those things, isn't it? You know, Matip and Lovren both missed a lot of games last season through injury. We had to rely yeah. on Lucas and Clavin quite a lot. It looks, even though he's all smiles back at pre-season, it looks as though Lucas might be on his way this summer. Um, and that might be just a case of sorting out who, who comes in from. Then again, lots of people have thought that for probably five years at this stage, and <laughs> it still hasn't happened. But you would think that he's probably gone. Clavin, at this moment in time, is third choice. And as you say, if those two lads, you know, if, if Matip and Lovren are quite injury-prone, you, you don't really want to be going into a Champions League season with Clavin as your third choice because he is going to play a lot of games. So you have to upgrade that and make your third choice centre-half, if it is that, or, or, or a competitive centre-half for, for one of the two st- starting spots, um, a level above where Clavin's at, don't you really? Yeah, oh, yeah. and I think, yeah, and, de- and definitely that was, that's the area that worries more, me more than anything in terms of what Liverpool haven't done in the transfer market so far. But, you know, more so probably than, than, than not buying a left-back so far. You know, I still think that's an absolute must that needs to be addressed. But, I, yes, the centre-half, I, I think, you know, it is, it's, it is the idea that, you know, that, that, that they would miss out on Van Dijk and not spend big on a centre-half would, would worry me massively because, you know, I, I, I think Clavan did very well last season. When you think probably, you know, four million quid for a, uh, a thirty-year-old Estonian, you know, new to new to the league, but he, you know, he played. I think he played a lot more than probably he would have expected when he when he signed for the club. And um, you know, as you said, with both Matip and Lovren uh, not particularly robust, you know, I you know, you've, you 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 desperately need another frontline centre half. And you know, we all hope that that Joe Gomez will kick on this season. But you know, there's a big chance that he'll go out on loan. And also, he's played so little football in you know the last couple of years that you, you couldn't expect too much from him, even if he if he did stay put. So, yeah, that's 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 kind of that's that would that would be my big worry at the moment. That um, you know kind of ties in with what you said before about echoes of 2014 and wanting to you know desperately hoping that the same mistakes aren't repeated because there's no doubt that. You know, Liverpool got in the Champions League then. Everyone was expecting this massive summer. Um, and, you know, they squandered that opportunity. And, you know, I, 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 I still, um, I, you know, hopefully we all hope that that's not going to be the case this time around. I don't think it's it's a case of, of you know, panic stations yet. I think, I think Salah's a great deal for Liverpool. You know, I think in, in Solanke, they've signed a, a talented young player who I think will blossom under Klopp's guidance, but they need to do a lot more. And, um, you know, certainly, I think, uh, you know, a minimum of a minimum of three more before the before the uh, before the window shuts, and, you know, and preferably much much sooner than that, because you know, with that Champions League qualifier on the horizon, they you know, Liverpool Liverpool really need you know their, uh, their their team for this season together and and gelling during pre-season. Yeah, no, absolutely, and um, from from that point of view as well, is you know that's that's another wonder is is maybe some of the hold up um, down to the fact that there is that qualifier and people are waiting, um, you know, within the club to see do we definitely make group stages because that's a big impact on where the financials are at. And I'm not talking about maybe these two main signings, but I'm talking about the other business that we do beyond that. You know, whether we hit group stages, which we sh- we all feel we should, but. You know, if if for any reason something happens and we don't hit the group stages, does that have a major impact on the players we can bring in for the season ahead? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I must admit, speaking to people at this club, I don't I don't get the impression that there's any sense of you know keeping your powder dry 
financially and, and, and waiting to see what happens with that playoff. I, I think it is just, you know, the, the fact that Klopp made it very, very clear that it, this summer it was all, all, all about, you know, quality rather than quantity, not interested in, in you know, squad players and all the rest of it. And I think, I think the, the players he's gone after, you know, two of the big three, have just been very, very difficult deals to to get done, and you know, even with someone like Oxley Chamberlain, you know, he wouldn't be wouldn't be someone that Liverpool view as a as a real frontline signing. But you know, he's another one that they're they're keen to, to to get done. But I think you know that's another one that is, is just by this very nature going to drag on because you know he he's in, been in these transfer uh, contract negotiations with Arsenal. You know they won't want to lose him, but they also will be wary about him seeing out the you know the the last year of his contract and losing him for nothing. So you know I just think his future is almost you know is is very much likely to not be decided until probably into August. Um, and so yeah, it's just it's it's just not been not been anywhere near as straightforward as I think anyone anyone would have hoped for. But I don't I don't think that's linked to. To, to, to like a, a sense of having to sit and wait to see whether Liverpool, uh, you know, get the riches of, of being in the group stage. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I suppose another question I have is, do you feel that as a fan base, we can be a little bit hypocritical? Um, and, and I'll refer to the Kieta one and the, um, let, let's take let's take the Kieta one um, from our side and then Coutinho from the opposite side. And what I mean by that <laughs> is we look at it and we say, of course we can just go in with the money and get Kieta. Just pay the money that needs to get him. He's gettable, you know. But Orby Leipzig are a very, you know, financially stable club. They finished second in the Bundesliga. They're looking to push on and try and challenge uh, Bayern next season. And it's their first ever attempt at the Champions League group stages as well. So, of course, they want to keep their team together as best they can and try and add to it rather than have it decimated. Yet, we as a club who finished fourth in the Premiership and yes, financially stable, think that you know there's an absolute gall of of PSG to think they can come in and sign Coutinho. He's he's not for sale at any price. And similarly, we've got a situation whereby Oxlade Chamberlain's in the last year of his contract, and we're like, of course Arsenal will sell him. You know, he 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 he's you know they're not going to let him go for free. Yet we've got a player that everybody raves about in Emery Chan in exactly the same situation, and we laugh off the idea that he might go to the Champions League finalists and the constant you know perennial Serie A winners. <laughs> it's just a bit of a juxtaposition, really. Yeah, no, I think I think you're you're spot on. I think that was just the. There's just the nature of it, isn't it? and you know maybe some people don't stop and think sometimes of of you know of, of you know when it's coming at you from the other direction. You know, like like as you said, you know, say PSG and Coutinho. You know, if you've got a PSG fan saying, you know, why why are we still monitoring Coutinho? Why have we not put in the bid? Yeah, and you know the simple reason would be that you know Liverpool probably wouldn't even wouldn't even respond to it because you yeah. know they said so, you know you know what what do we have to do to tell you he is not for sale at any price and you know, I think you know the, the similar I remember asking Klopp about this last season about you know a big part of kind of him him in terms of taking the club forward wanted to be you know ensuring that Liverpool was looked upon as not just a stepping stone for. For, for top players like like the Coutinho, but somewhere that they could actually you know put down roots and actually uh, be successful and, and and win trophies and you know key to that is you know stopping the kind of talent drain that we've seen probably you know the, of the last decade where too often Liverpool have lost their best players. 
Yeah. And you know, so it's you know, and and so I don't think I don't think you could actually put a price on Coutinho this summer, for the simple reason that I think you know, just image-wise, it would just be so damaging to to sell Coutinho and, and the message that would send out about where Liverpool's at as a club, um, and and for the very same reason, you know, that's that's exactly why Leipzig have taken the approach, you know, they they have done because you know, as as you said, there are you know they're they're in a quite a rare position in terms of you know, they just do not do not need the money. But more than that, you know they were they were Bayern Munich's closest challenges in the Bundesliga last season, and you know a big part of them you know establishing their reputation is is, is going to be playing playing in the Champions League for the first time next season. Um, and you know clearly they are doing everything they possibly can to to keep that team together. So. Um, so yeah, I think you know it's 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 obviously you know it's 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 not been a straightforward summer so far, but um, you know there's it's, it's, there's there's still a fair chunk of it left to go, which you know hopefully uh, things will be looking much brighter in a few weeks. Yeah, no, absolutely, and. I suppose you, you may not want to answer this, and, and I totally understand if you don't, um, but has it become much more difficult for you since the Van Dyke leak? Has it become much more difficult for you? And, and somebody the club has clearly trusted over the last you know number of years because you've been close to so many stories, especially last summer when certain things were happening. Um, has what happened made it more difficult? Has it made your job more difficult in terms of dealing with the club and being able to interact with them and I'm not saying be fed information but at least be able to interact with them and say this is what I've heard, can you give me a steer on it at least or whatever it might be? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, but I mean, probably probably not to the degree that I think some people probably think. I think, you know, I've seen a lot of comments on social media suggesting that you know, oh, you know, your job, all, your job is gone it. now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's just some, yeah, the, 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 yeah, completely, the, uh, completely redundant now that uh, that no information is coming out of the club. I mean, that's that's quite ridiculous because I, I like the fact that people say that you know there's no information is getting out, but you, you think, well, hang on a minute, what stories have actually been missed? You know, yeah. you have to, you have to, <laughs> you have to uh, remind me exactly, you know, what 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 deals have suddenly come out of nowhere that that haven't been reported? You know, yeah. The, yeah. the fact of the matter is that it's it, it, you know, since since Salah, you know, very little has actually changed, and there's been. Thousands and thousands of words said and written about Titer and Van Dyke, but you know, pretty much exactly where we were before that. But yeah, I think you know I'd, I'd be lying if I said it's completely the same as it was before. I think Liverpool's approach, you know, has changed, and I think you know there was, you know, I think I think there has been like a knock-on effect from from what happened with Van Dyke, where you know, and I, and I think some people sometimes think that it is almost like a a club call line that you can ring as a reporter <laughs> and and get a, a running commentary on every deal and you know it was it was never ever like that that you know that's just ridiculous you know yeah. the idea that you could just ring you know, up put and a get call the in info. and you know yeah yeah you know where are we up to with the negotiations <laughs> you know so the you know it doesn't you, you speak to different people at all different levels of the club and you know it's so you know you know have have certain people at certain levels of the club been less forthcoming in the, in probably the last three or four weeks uh, yeah, yeah yeah i'd say it probably it probably have been you know i, yeah. I, I i'm and sure understandably so yeah 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 i think you know they got their fingers burnt with what happened with van dyke and so you know i think 
that that was always that was always likely. But you know, it's 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 not as if also that is the only source of of information and where you get things from. I think we saw with with Salah, you know, there was a lot of information that was coming out from the Italian end, um, from from Egypt as well. Um, you know, even with with Kaita, you know, in the last few weeks, you know, journalists over in in in, in Guinea and uh, you know the, the German end, you speak to people over there. So it's um, so yeah, it's 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 not to be honest. It hasn't really changed things uh, much. You know, it's it's it's. It, I think it's always it's always been a. You know, people I think maybe misunderstand sometimes. You know, it's Liverpool don't they don't look to put things out in the public domain. It's just that you know it's your job as a reporter to have relationships with different people at different levels of of, of the club, and and you you, tr- you try and uh, you know find out exactly what's going on, and you know that that hasn't really changed, and uh, you know it's it's just been a bit of a frustration for. I think probably for myself, as much as any of the fans, there hasn't really been hasn't really been that much to get your teeth into in the last few weeks because yeah. they've you know they've pretty much hit a brick wall with you know the, the, their main the targets, two, two yeah. big deals that they're pursuing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And listen, forgive me if I missed it. I don't know if you did an article on it, but have you had a chance to meet with the the new CEO or even have a chat with him, Peter Moore, and get a feel yeah, for yeah, what he's no, like? Yeah, he came in. He came into the Echo offices um, for a. For a coffee about, um, I think it was just after he just you know back end of the season, just before he he started officially. Um, so yeah, yeah, nice guy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, hopefully, um, you know, he's obviously got a, a fantastic you know uh, business brain and a background, very successful career. Um, and uh, yeah, I think you know, I'm sure he'll probably be on the the preseason tour. I'm off to Hong Kong. Um, with to cover to cover those games over there next week. Right. Um. So. Uh, so yeah. Hopefully. Uh, he seems a bit more to do with him going forward. Yeah. Good. Good. And he he seems to be doing all right on social media as well so far, doesn't he? He seems to have uh, approached that in in a certain way, and it seems to be going down well with the fans. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I think people people appreciate that. I think it'll, you know, it'll um, you know, I think I think it'll be interesting to see. Uh, that you know what what happens if 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 the season doesn't start on a on a positive footing we you know we all hope that that's not the case but you know yeah i think it's great the way that he you know he you know he's got he's got a good sense of humor he's in you know he's embraced that that side of it at the moment you'd and, want it um, with our fans wouldn't you <laughs> <laughs> well i think yeah fans just i think you know it's it's good to have that that interaction isn't it so um no, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Like, yeah. like just, you just hope that people do cut in a bit of slack and uh, and, and give them the chance to, to make a make a big positive impression. Yeah, I, I, in a way, you know, I hope he's not making a rod for his own back in the sense that, you know, all the interaction and all the, even the bit of banter with people, you know, where he gives them a little bit of stick back and whatever it might be. That's brilliant if we have a good summer window, you know, and get off to a good start. But if we don't secure the top targets and then look like we we falter with our second choices or don't seem to have the right second choices lined up, then all of a sudden that could look very poorly for him, you know, where where it's going to be a lot of questioning around, you know, if he'd spent less time doing X and more time doing Y, maybe we'd have been you know, even though that might not be a key part of his job, you know, in, in the current structure, which I'm not even sure it is, um, that still might be thrown at him, which would be a which would yeah. be a pity for a guy who's only starting out. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I think yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I've been I've I've seen it thrown at him already on, on social media and uh, you know, it's, you know, I think 
yeah, some people maybe I've got the wrong end of the stick slightly because I've seen people, you know, tell him to get off Twitter and and get himself uh, get himself over to Leipzig and, and announce Van Dijk. And, <laughs> yes, and uh, but you know, it's, the fact of the matter is, his job is actually very different to Ian Ayres. You know, he's yeah. not he's not involved whatsoever in in the negotiating of uh, of transfer deals. You know, that's that's very much Michael Edwards' uh, domain. So yeah. uh, you know, he's he's he you know, it's it's they you know, FSG. It's uh, very much changed the the kind of job description for the CEO, and you know it. He's all about the you know the, the, the business. business side, yeah. and you know, uh, and probably that, how it should be. His responsibility lies. I think I think one of the biggest problems for Ian Error was it was maybe that he had too much to do in his role, too many um, sort of strings to his bow, and, and therefore a lot was able to be landed at his at his door when when there was probably too big an ask on him for the job he was doing. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a fair comment. Yeah, and I think you can kind of they probably admitted that with the fact that you know that they've almost got you know three people doing his his job now in terms of you know when you obviously you've got Michael Edwards with the football side of it, you've got you know Peter Moore the CEO, you've obviously got Billy Hogan as the as the MD. Um, so yeah, it's you know I think you know the the, the structure they've got in place now um, is you know I think it's you know it's certainly got a much better look to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose uh, us lads here, we, we still reckon you're the head of the transfer committee anyway. You know what I mean? So <laughs> so, so, so that, that's another thing. We, we reckon we'll still get the inside scoop from you when, when things start to move. Um, no, no, and, uh, no, listen, other than that, I, I, you know, we could run through a couple of other things, but a lot of the stuff that people asked was, was along the lines of what we've covered. And I've tried to en- encompass the questions that were asked today in, into our chat. Um, I, I suppose there is one other thing um, and it's it's relating to your mate Tony Barrett. Um, a couple of people are asking. Number one, did you teach him how to tie a tie? And uh, <laughs> number two, um, it, and I suppose this is probably a little bit more of a serious question. And yet again, you may not want to answer. But was that something that came out of the blue? What well, not even that you know this, but did it come out of the blue for him, or was it something that was opened up and maybe people like yourself that were close to the club were spoken to about it, and then it transpired for him? Uh, well, the, to answer the first one, I did, definitely did not have anything to do with that <laughs> that, that horrendous attire he had on the, uh, when, he, when he when he walked into Melwood last week. Now that was, I think, my favourite comment was, uh, I, you know, I think obviously he copped an absolute bar- barrage of abuse that yeah. day, and uh, I think that my favourite one was he looked like I think someone said he looked like a, a an Irish farmer who was on his way to the to the to the local village hall dance. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Down to list on Varna to find a wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I must admit it's you know it was it, you know, it, it came out of the blue when he you know when he told me that it was that was what he decided to go obviously to make that leap from from Joe who he was working for mm. um, to, to working for the club. But I think you know it's I think it's it's, it's a it's a it's a great appointment by the club because I think you know from, I think they were they were probably wary about the fact that. You know, with, with you know, no, no matter what you say about Ian Air, uh, and you know, and obviously he had his he had his critics. You know, he was he was very much a local fella yeah. who you know it was the club was in his blood. And I think I think with him moving on, I think FSG just felt that the, the you know they they were probably you know they they probably looked at all of those senior positions, and you know they they probably did you know what they were lacking were, was was someone. Um, you know, a, a local guy who's you know who's got the club running running through his blood that that um, that would be able to you know be a sounding board and you know probably try and avoid a few of the 
the issues that obviously that have, that have raised their head at, at different times as FSG's reign. And, you know, I think, you know, it's a, it's a real coup for them to get Tony on board. And I think, you know, he, he feels as if it's like a, you know, a, a really, you know, important role, you know, dealing with supporters groups. And, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's got a, you know, he's obviously got a big job there. Then, you know, and I think you know, he can make a he can make a real difference on that front. So, yeah, it's, I think it's 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 just a, <laughs> despite all the uh, the Mickey taking that obviously went on hmm. when he uh, when he started last week. I think you know it's it's a it's a very wise appointment by the club, and you know he'll, he'll make a he'll make a massive impression, and Liverpool will be a better club with him with him on the staff. I think they'd be better off if they give him a club tracksuit to wear as his uniform as well, save him the hassle, you know. Um, no, listen. It'd be safer. Yeah, absolutely. James, um, absolutely top notch. I appreciate your time and fair play to you for giving it up um, to us. We we really do appreciate it. Maybe we can have a chat again. It's only seven weeks, six, seven weeks to the end of the uh, transfer window. The season will have kicked off at that stage and we'll all know on September 1st what our squad's looking like for the first half of the season. So maybe we can catch up with you again at that point and we can have a yap about the business that has been done in that time and see where we're at would that be cool with you yeah sounds good yeah no Bri- worries at all brilliant James listen I really appreciate it and, uh, and we'll talk to you soon 150 years of Children's National Hospital 150 years of groundbreaking research of exceptional healthcare for kids of helping families like mine and yours 150 years stronger with your help please give today Visit childrensnational.org slash 150 years. That's childrensnational.org slash 150 years. Ain't no place like a cowboy place. Ain't no time like a cowboy time. Ain't no way like the cowboy way. Have a cowboy kind of day, yeah. Try the new Big Sky Burger at Roy Rogers. It's Smithfield pulled pork, beer battered onion rings, American cheese, and spicy barbecue sauce on a Kaiser bun. Have a cowboy kind of day at a rose in the way you're going wrong. Hey, yeah. DoorDash and Uber Eats available at participating restaurants. Sports Social Podcast Network.